Welcome to Growing in Grace with Pastor Victor Morrison. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas. We are praying that God will bless you as you listen to this message. If you would like additional information on worship times and ministries at FBC Columbus, you can find out more at our website, fbccolumbustx.org. And now, take your copy of God's Timeless Word as Pastor Victor gives today's message. Welcome to Growing in Grace. So glad you stopped in today just to, to sit with us at the feet of Jesus and to listen to His Word I think the Lord's got something special that he wants to say to us today about when Jesus is in the house. You know, a number of years ago when I was in Japan, we were starting a lot of uh, house fellowships, a lot of home churches, house churches. And so I'm so excited today to talk about Jesus being in a, in a house because I did a study from the Gospel of Mark and I discovered that Jesus visited in 10 different homes that are recorded in the Gospel of Mark. Now today, we're not going to be in the Gospel of Mark. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. But in this passage, Jesus was in two homes. Let's say two houses. One was the Lord's house, or at that time in Capernaum, he was in the synagogue. But he also, after that, he moved to Peter's house and uh, spent some time there and uh, just... It's incredible what he did in his uh, mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law's uh, life and her health. And so we're going to look at that together. But anyway, I want to uh, share with you what happens when Jesus is in the house. I don't know if uh, any of you have ever heard of this guy, but there was a guy named uh, Bob Munger, and he wrote uh, a little pamphlet that was called uh, My Heart, Christ's Home. And it was really interesting. He compared to inviting Jesus into our life to inviting him into an actual home. And so what he was saying was, invite the Lord to, to be Lord over all that you read in your life. He called that the study or the library. He talked about inviting Jesus to sit with you at the table, and he called that the dining room. And so he said, let the Lord be in charge of all your appetites and your desires. And he just sort of goes through a typical house. And if I remember correctly, he ends with this, uh, you know, hall closet. And he said, you know, we put things in there that uh, we don't want our guests to see and so forth, kind of hide it all, stuff it all in the closet. And so he just said, you know, invite Jesus to help you with those things that are out of sight from other people, but nevertheless, they're in your home. So anyway, I just never forgot that. But what I want us to see is what did Luke write down in Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 41? What did Jesus do when he visited the synagogue in Capernaum? And then also while he was in Capernaum, he went from there over to Peter's house. And what happened when he was there? Because what happened in these verses, it can happen today. And so one of the things we're praying as a congregation at First Baptist Columbus, we're going to have a spring Bible conference. And I want to make sure you know that you would certainly be welcome to uh, come and attend. We're going to go from uh, this coming Sunday, March the 26th, through Tuesday, uh, March the 28th. 
And so I just uh, want you to know that one of our prayers is when the glory comes. And so you'll remember in the Old Testament, whenever God would inhabit or dwell within either the tabernacle or the temple, that first time it's like the glory filled uh, the, the tabernacle and the temple. And so what is it like from the New Testament whenever Jesus steps into a house? Think about your house. Think about your life, your home, your heart, and say, God, I want you to be a part of my life. So let me read these verses, and then we'll get started. Luke chapter 4, verse 31 begins this way. And he, that's talking about Jesus, and he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. And he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came, came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. I want to just share a few thoughts about what happens whenever Jesus is in the house. When Jesus is welcomed into your life, when he's welcomed into a church or into a community, what kind of things begin to happen? Well, let's look at verse 31. I think one thing that can take place is assembly, assembly in the sanctuary. It says that he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And usually when Jesus was teaching, let me tell you, a lot of people were gathering. They wanted to hear. They wanted to listen. And it's so they were amazed at what they were hearing. But I just got to thinking about how significant it is that we not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. That's exactly what it says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We should be encouraging one another and saying, look, I, I hope to see you on Sunday at church. I hope to uh, worship beside you. And so there's something powerful whenever Jesus uh, is, is in the middle of something and people began to gather around him. You know, I think sometimes the reason people don't come to church 
and, and is that they have a preconceived idea and they're thinking, I don't think I'll like it. I think he'll be boring. I think it will be dry or I'm not sure I want to entrust my life to him. But I just want to encourage you to know that, hey, you know, really, if you could only listen to Jesus, these people that heard him speak in the Gospels, they liked what they heard. I think Jesus was winsome and he attracted the crowds and the crowds would gather whenever he was speaking. I'll never forget when Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle came to uh, Japan and there we were, it was a huge auditorium filled with Japanese people. And Jim Cimbala had brought his uh, praise and worship team over there. And I mean, he had the place rocking. But during the middle of that concert, he came out and sat on a stool and he talked about how when he first uh, was introduced to sushi, he said his wife brought some sushi and sat it down and said, hey, uh, why don't you try this sushi? And he looked at the raw fish and he thought, no way, I don't think I'll like it. And she said, but just try it. And she said, no, I've already just, he said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like it. I know I won't like it. But his wife insisted. So he said, okay. So he took one bite of that sushi. And you know what? He said it was good. He said he was wrong that sushi was really delicious. So he began, became a big fan of Japanese sushi ever since then and began to eat it at least once a week and so forth. But what he said to them next was, I never forgot it. He said, you know, in Psalms, David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe that some people are writing Jesus off and they're, they're just missing so much. Let me, let me just encourage you, friend. If you're writing Jesus off and you've never really heard about him, you might want to give that a second thought. Why don't you come and, and let the Lord speak to your heart during one of our regular worship services or go somewhere else to another service. But just assemble with others and worship the Lord and exalt him. I guarantee you, you'll be glad you were there. One reason why I'm always glad I'm there is because when Jesus speaks, the authority of the scripture is honored and respected. It's appreciated. You know, it says here in this passage, he was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word possessed authority. There's something clear and authoritative about the word of God from Genesis all the way through Revelation. I'm so grateful that God has given us a copy of his standards, his plans, his promises. And I'm so glad that all these things that he said, they stood the test of time and they will stand the test of time. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says in Isaiah that the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of our God stands forever. Man, wouldn't you like to hook your uh, boxcar to an engine like that that's going to keep going forever? Just stay in the word of God. The other thing I noticed was how these seekers that were just simply trying to find out who is this Jesus of Nazareth that we keep hearing about. You know what it says in verse 32 about them? It says they were astonished at his teaching. They were astonished. I think that he astonished the seekers because he wasn't who they thought he would be. Maybe they presumed and assumed 
that he was going to be like one of the Pharisees. He was going to be critical, judgmental, negative, and all these kind of things. But I think when they really heard him, they couldn't believe it. It's like his words would pierce them down to, to the very depths of their hearts. I think that if you ever really got to know Jesus and who he really is, I guarantee you, you'd be astonished too. You would think, you're nothing like I thought that you were going to be. You know, a lot of people struggle with uh, different things in their lives. There was definitely a man that was struggling in verses 33, 34, and 35. And he wasn't the only one in the community of Capernaum that was struggling with this same problem. If you look over in verse 41, others were struggling as well. What was it? It was evil forces. I'm telling you, there really is a devil. There really is a Satan. And there really are demons. These are evil forces. I think if you were to watch the news long enough, you begin to wonder, what is going on in our world? Where does all this evil and all this killing and murder and terrible things, why do people do that kind of thing? Well, part of the reason for that is satanic activity. And let me read once again what happened right here in this synagogue service. It says, and in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. You know, evil forces are at work in our world, causing men to do terrible things. But I think it's interesting how Jesus can resist that and stop that. I, I put it down this way in my journal, that he can arrest the satanic. He really can. He can stop that in your life. If there are things that it just seems like something's driving you to do it and you can't identify what it is, just know that Jesus is Lord. And I thought it was amazing that he would not even let these demons say anything further because they knew exactly who he was. They called him the Holy One. You know, they called him in verse 41, you are the Son of God. So let me tell you, the forces of evil, they know who God is and they know who God's Son is. They, they respect the Lord Jesus Christ because it's not a battle between equals. Oh no, no, clearly all authority has been entrusted to Jesus Christ. And so don't ever worry about the evil one and all of his powers, because if you will invite Jesus in your life, you'll invite him in your home, I guarantee you, he can arrest the satanic. But also I think the main thing is not to be so excited about that sort of thing, but to be amazed over the Savior himself. You know, verse 36 goes on to say, and they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. You know what I think amazed them the most was just Jesus. I think someone with that much authority and that much power and just the kindness and the love and the truth from, that he spoke with, I think it all was just so amazing to them. That's why maybe you've heard an old song that's been around for a number of years called Amazing Grace. 
listen, you'll be amazed at what Jesus can do in your life. You know, I remember one time when the disciples were out in the boat and they said to Jesus, look, uh, don't you care? We're drowning here. They had to wake him up. He was sleeping peacefully in the boat. But a terrible storm was raging and wind was blowing and the waves were coming over the side into the ship. They thought they were going under. These were professional fishermen. But anyway, they said to Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? You know, I wonder if that could have been, you know, a few of the most hurtful words that were ever spoken to Jesus by his own men. Don't you care? That's why he came, because he cares. Of course he cares about them. He cares about us. And so sometimes we are just amazed. But what really amazed them that day is that he stood up there in that boat and spoke to that storm and said, peace, be still. And I'm telling you, the Bible, all the gospel writers say that storm just calmed right down. You know, I believe Jesus can do something like that in your life. You're going to be amazed if you'll just simply give him the opportunity to speak, give him the opportunity to work in your life. Whenever you see him at work, there's something else that stood out to me in this passage. I have it labeled as the sixth thing, but it's the announcements that take place in the streets. You know, we've put our spring Bible conference, we put it in the newspaper, we put it on social media, we've put it on the radio stations, we've put it in our newsletter, we put it in our weekly bulletins and all of these kind of things. <clears throat> but let me tell you, the quickest way to know when the Lord is at work is when people start talking about Jesus in the streets, when people start talking person to person in coffee shops, on the job site, in the school, in the cafeteria, and all these kind of things. That's when you really know. It says in verse 37, and reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Can't you imagine what that would be like with people just all over the community saying, you won't believe what Jesus can do. You won't believe who he is. You won't believe how much he loves. You won't believe how he's forgiven me. You know, just a couple of weeks ago in our Sunday school class, we were studying about a, a woman that had been married several times and uh, Jesus spoke to her at a well. She's referred to sometimes as the Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. But whenever she discovered who Jesus was, she ran into town. She left her water pot. She was at that well to gather water, but she forgot all about it and ran into town. And all she knew to say about him was, come here, a man who told me everything I've done. You know, it doesn't take much, but I guarantee you, if the Lord works in your life, you'll want to tell somebody. You'll say, I've got to tell somebody. I'll never forget trying my best to talk to my younger brother. My younger brother was a high school student at this time when I first came to know Christ. He changed my life. He forgave me of my sins. It's amazing what he did. And so my younger brother as a teenager wakes up and guess who is sitting cross-legged on the end of his bed in his bedroom? Yep, it was me. And my Bible wide open. When my brother looks at me through sleepy eyes, he said, what are you doing in my room? I said, good morning. I'm here to tell you all about Jesus. 
He didn't want to hear it at that time. So we do have to kind of time these things so that we talk to our friends and our family at the right time. So, so maybe pick a better time than I chose there. But the thing is, my brother did eventually put his heart, his life, everything he has into the hands of Jesus. And I watched the Lord change his life. Someone told me one time, your younger brother is about one of the saddest guys I've ever seen. But you know what happened after my brother came to know Jesus? Somebody said, your brother is so fun to be around. He's like a one-liner, a joke every minute. He's just so overflowing and his joy is contagious. Where did that come from? Well, I can tell you, I've been around him all my life. My brother's joy came from Jesus. When he trusted Christ, it's amazing. And now he shares, just as sort of a lay speaker from time to time, he talks about how Jesus changed his life. Listen, you will want to go into the streets, go to the homes, the houses, coffee shops, schools, wherever you got to go, and you're going to say, let me just tell you what he's done for me. Well, I tell you what sometimes God uses. He uses sickness. I know a lot of times we have a lot of questions and we get discouraged whenever we go through a, 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 an illness, especially if it's a very serious illness. And we can begin to even question God. But I wanted you to see something that happens in verse 38. It says, And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. And now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Wow. You know what? It's amazing how God uses problems, sicknesses, illnesses, and all these kind of things. He uses it for us to appeal to him. We go to him in our brokenness. We love the loved one. You know, I'm sure that uh, Peter loved his mother-in-law. At least I hope he did. I don't know. I heard about one guy who said his mother-in-law was the travel agent for all his guilt trips. Now, don't be that way. Love your mother-in-law and love your mom and say, God, I want to pray for my mom. I want to pray for my dad. You know, I believe that sicknesses, the whole purpose of that may be so that we'll seek him. And you know, he doesn't always choose to heal somebody on this side of, of uh, existence. But you know, some people, I believe, will be perfectly healthy. They're going to be walking around and have no, no uh, illnesses and no handicaps, nothing like that whenever they enter into heaven. You know, some of the answers to our prayers will happen later, not here. But I think the Lord cherishes whenever we come to Him in our pain, in our sorrow, in our, in our unbelief even. You know, one guy said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And he was praying for his, his child. So just know that sometimes sickness, well, it can kind of be like a bridge that can we can walk across to get connected with the Lord who loves us. Did you notice what 
Peter's mother-in-law did whenever um, the Lord healed her and did something very special for her. It says, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Wow. She rose and began to serve them. You know, I wonder if that's the secret really uh, to having more volunteers who will be involved in God's work. Whenever Jesus is in the house, I believe people don't mind to volunteer and to say, you know what? I want to use the talents and abilities, the skills that God has given to me so that I can serve him in his kingdom. And so we try to set our congregation up with lots of different kinds of uh, ways that we're going to let them serve, whether it's in our clothes closet across the street from our church. We are coming up uh, in another month on uh, allowing some of our church members to go and help distribute food uh, through the uh, Columbus Community Food Pantry. Uh, Some work with children, some work with teenagers. Some work with senior adults, and it's just amazing. Some have musical skills. Some have uh, technical computer skills. Some are skilled with manual labor, and they can repair and fix things that break down. You know, what is it that the Lord has done for you? I think that that should be a motivation for you to say, you know what, I'm going to roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to see how I can serve, how I can do something because the Lord has just been so incredibly good to me. So I just encourage you to follow all these things that we see uh, in this passage and say, Lord, I want to use what you've given to me. You know, if Jesus is going to enter into the house, the apostle John tells us something very important. It says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Wow. You know, I just encourage you, if you've never really invited Christ in, if you've never initiated that that whole thing of saying, Lord, I want you to be my savior. I want you to come into my life. Then I encourage you to uh, ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and savior. Put your faith and your trust in him and let him know that he is welcome in your home. And you'll be surprised at all of these kinds of things that Jesus can do when he enters into your house. Well, let me close in a word of prayer. Uh, Thank you, Lord, so much for these uh, podcasts that we can share together. Uh, Lord, whether people are driving or at home, wherever they are listening to this broadcast, I pray that you would minister to them and speak to them. Perhaps they are discouraged. Maybe they're feeling hopeless today. Maybe they're feeling depressed. Uh, I don't know what could be going on. Maybe they're like the man in that synagogue and they're just pushed around and bullied by uh, some evil spirit or some force that they know is just wrecking their whole life. Would you just let them see the freedom that they can have in Christ, the peace, the joy, the, the hope, oh Lord, would you just um, help them to have a sense of rightness about opening up their life, trusting Christ, surrendering to him and following him as a disciple each and every day. And Lord, uh, thank you for my community. I love my community. I truly do. I thank you for Columbus, Texas. It's a wonderful place to raise a family. 
So Lord, I pray for the families and the people in this community that Lord, you'd bless them. I pray you would open up the doors of their hearts that they would allow Jesus to be their Savior and Lord if they have not already. But thank you so much for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this passage from Luke chapter four, verses 31 to 41. It got my heart the other day and I thought I've got to share this with my friends. Why don't you do the same? You might not share this passage, but you find something about Jesus that you can share with other people. Listen, may the Lord bless you today. Have a great day in Christ. Bye-bye. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.